Chedek Tezayin, that's volume 16, the third Sicha for Parshas Truma. In this Sicha, the Rebbe will explain and elaborate on the concept and the status of the mitzvah, the most prominent mitzvah, which is quoted in our Parsha, which is the mitzvah of building the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple. We'll learn about the mitzvah, the process, that is the procedure, and how it applies to our lives even now in our day-to-day lives. So to start off, it's worthwhile for us to familiarize ourselves with the verses in the Torah, which speak about this mitzvah, the most prominent of the verses, who speak about the mitzvah of building the Beis HaMikdash. Number one, and especially these two verse, these verses are very re- relevant to the Sicha, they're discussed, they're brought up in the Sicha. Number one, in our Parsha. In our Parsha, in chapter 25, verse 8, it says, Hashem says, They shall make for me a sanctuary, and I'll dwell amongst them, or I'll dwell in it. That is one primary source, or the primary source, perhaps, for the building of the Beis HaMikdash. The other verse is in Devarim, in Parshas Re'eh, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, verse 5. It says over there that you should not destroy any of godly things. You should not do so to Hashem. Rather, it says, Rather, to the place where Hashem chooses from amongst all your tribes in order to establish His name there, you should seek out his dwelling. To his dwelling you should seek and you should come there. So it tells us that we should seek his dwelling, meaning we should make a dwelling place for him. As we'll see later, the Ramam does quote it in the context of building the Beis HaMikdash. So now let's go into the Rambam. I mentioned the Rambam, Maimonides. He's one of the primary sources of the rules, of the laws of building the Beis HaMikdash, which is the prominent point of this week's Parsha. So the Rambam writes as follows, in Hilchis Beis Abchira, in the laws, quote, of the chosen house, meaning the Beis HaMikdash, he says, Mitzvah It is a positive commandment to make a house, an edifice, an abode for Hashem. It's a place which should be ready and available in order to offer there the offerings, the sacrifices. Shenemar, as it says, and this is the Pasuk, the verse from our Parsha, and then the Rambam continues. And already, I'm paraphrasing now, and it's detailed and explained the Mishkan, the tabernacle which Moshe made. And that was only, says the Rambam, it was temporary. As it says, because, quote, for you have not come, so you have not come until now, until the Menucha and the Nachal, until the place which is the, the resting place, the ultimate inheritance, which is the Holy Land of Israel. So it comes out according to the Rambam that the source, the primary basis of the mitzvah of building the base of Mikdash is the verse in this week's parsha, the Asuli Mikdash Veshachanti Besoicham. And that's where all that's the that's where the process begins, as we'll see later. Now, then Maimonides continues in the next law, in the next paragraph of these laws, and he says, as soon as they entered, I'm gonna paraphrase, as soon as they entered the land of Israel, they put up this tabernacle, the tabernacle that Moshe made in Gilgal, in a place called Gilgal, 
And there it stood for the duration of the 14 years in which it took them to conquer, totally conquer Israel and divide it up amongst the tribes. From there, it went to Shiloh, says the Rambam. Over there already in Shiloh, they built a building of stone, albeit without a roof. What did they use for the roof? They used the original curtains, the original drapery that was used in the Mishkan, in the Tabernacle of Moshe, that was used to cover the roof. So kind of had a certain air, this is my words now, a certain air of permanence, but yet it was still temporary. It didn't have a roof. It wasn't a full-fledged building. And the Raman continues and he tells us it stood. How long did it last in Shiloh? 369 years. Then he says, when Eli, that was the high priest in Shiloh, the, the last uh, high priest in Shiloh, when he died, from there they came to Nov, and there they built a temple. So when he says he built a temple, that means they built a, not only they built a building of stone, walls, but in fact it also had a permanent roof. And from there they went, I'm saying when, when Shmuel, when the prophet Shmuel passed away, it got destroyed, this temple that was built in Nov, and from there they came to Givon, and once again they rebuilt the temple. And the Ramam says that altogether, in total, the two place, these latter two places, that is, Nov and Givon, was a total of 75 years. And then he says, from there they came to Beisait Lomim, literally translated to the, ev- to the everlasting house, the everlasting edifice, which of course is Jerusalem. You know, once the Beis Amikosh was built in Jerusalem, and Yerushalayim, it doesn't go anywhere from there, and that is the permanent place forever and forever. Okay, so this is how he describes it, the laws of the Beis Amikosh, this is how he begins in the quote, the Hilchos Beis Abichira, the laws of the chosen house of the building of the Beis Amikosh. However, there's another place in the Rambam, in Maimonides, where he also mentions and detail somewhat the laws of the building of the Mikdash, of the Holy Temple. And that is in Hilchos Melachim, in the laws of kings. You know, the Torah mandates that the Jews have to appoint a king, that we have an obligation, we have a mitzvah to make a king. So over there he says as follows, follow the words. Three mitzvahs were the Jews' commandment to do, to perform, when they come into the land of Israel. The first one is the appointment of a king. The second one is the eradication, the annihilation of the descendants of Amalek. And the third one is the building of the base Abchira, the building of the chosen house, the building of the base of Mikdash. And for each one he brings a verse. And for the building of the Mikdash, what is the verse that he quotes as a source for this mitzvah? He says... The verse, not the verse from our parsha, but if you recall that second verse which I quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, he quotes the words, that to his dwelling place you should seek and you shall come there. So there are many, many questions that could be asked. I'm just going to ask some of the primary questions that there are asks on this whole thing, on the verses, on the quotations in the Rambam, and so on. Let's try to follow. First of all, why is it that when the Rambam, in his, as his primary source for the mitzvah of building the Beis Hamikdash, why is it that he brings the verse from our parsha, which seems, at least on the surface, it seems to be more directed, particularly. 
to the building of the Mishkan of the Tabernacle versus the other verse, which appears much later, right before the Jews entered Israel, appears in the book of Deuteronomy, where there it seems to be speaking more about the permanent home, the permanent edifice, that is the Beis HaMikdash. Because over there it says, quote, and the place that Hashem seeks to dwell His name, that is a permanent place. Remember, the tabernacle was a mobile thing. It was temporary. It didn't dwell with an absolute permanence. It just was there wherever it was, and then it moved from there. So why does he use that as the source, why does he use the verse from our parsha as the source for the mitzvah of the building of Hamikdash? When it would seem that the the other verse, the the verse quoted in Deuteronomy that we quoted previously from Deuteronomy, seems to be more um, uh, directly connected with the the building of the base Hamikdash in the land of Israel versus our parsha's verse, which is speaking about more about the tabernacle. That's number one. Number two. Why is it then, for whatever reason this is the source, but why is it then that when it comes to the laws of kings, where over there again he mentions the law of building the Beis HaMikdash, the mitzvah of Binyan Beis HaMikdash, over there he refers to a different verse. The verse that we quoted from Deuteronomy, the verse that says, quote, to his dwelling place you should seek and that's where you should come. Meaning that the place which is a permanence, which has a certain sense of menucha, of resting, of dwelling. A third question. There's a rule, and this rule is not just a, you know, a, 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 an, an accepted, so to speak, uh, consensus amongst people. Rather, the Rambam himself, Maimonides himself, an introduction to his work, to his monumental work of collecting and, and, and describing all the laws of Judaism, of every single mitzvah, in his introduction, the Rambam says that this book, the intention of this book, and the purpose of this book, is halachas halachas, literally laws laws, meaning nothing but the law. In fact, the Rambam didn't even, some, didn't even write the reasons for the law. He just gave us purely the law as it is. So the question becomes, why is it that when the Rambam tells us the law, he describes to us the mitzvah, building Beis HaMikdash. Why does he go into all this detail of telling us where all the various the various tabernacles stood, where the various temples stood, up until the point that it was established permanently in, in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem? Not only that, but he gives us also the historical dates. I'm sorry, the number of years. It seems to be giving us just pure history. What benefit does this have? What ramification does this have in halacha that it was necessary for the Rambam to go into all these details? It seems to be like a story of the past. Whatever was, was. Right now, he's telling us the halacha of what we need to know, what we have to do, what has to be done when the opportunity arises. Why is it important for us to know the past? Another thing, in the laws of kings, he, he, over there again, why does he have to bring all together the mitzvah of the building of the Beis HaMikdash? That is the laws of kings. That is not the place where he's discussing the details of the building of the Beis HaMikdash. And in fact, he doesn't go into details. He just mentions it kind of in passing. Why mention it all together? Number one. Number two, it seems in the verbiage of the Rambam, it seems that he's trying to say something. But what is it that he's trying to say with the words 
the introduction, he says three mitzvot they were commanded to do when they entered Israel. And then he details the mitzvot. Why not just go to the point of it and just name the three mitzvot, the, namely the appointment of the kings, the eradication, the annihilation of the, of the, of the descendants of Amalek, and the building of Esamikdash. Why introduce it with saying, with the heading of three mitzvot they were commanded to do? And, you know, anybody who can, who can read the Ramam can do the simple math and realize that it's three separate mitzvot. So the Rebbe says, the explanation in all this is as follows. And this is what the Rambam is really trying to tell us. And this is what it's all about. You see, these three mitzvot, which are contingent with the entry and the settlement in the land of Israel, all these three mitzvot, although they are three individual, three exclusive mitzvot, in the sense that each one is its own mitzvot with its own application and its own ramifications. But what the Rambam is telling us is that they are all connected. All three mitzvot are dependent, are hinged, so to speak, one on the other, are contingent one on the other. Meaning that in order for each of these mitzvot to be really uh, established and fulfilled in its entirety and its complete wholeness, it needs to have had either the, the, the mitzvah preceding it or the mitzvah proceeding it and specifically in this order. In other words, let's take, for example, the mitzvah of appointment of a king. The mitzvah of the appointment of the king doesn't stop with the appointment of the king. It doesn't end there. Where does the mitzvah of the appointment of the king fully and absolutely become fulfilled in its entirety? It's only after the king now goes ahead and eradicates the memory of Amalek. And then finally, finally, when the king is able to establish and build the edifice of Hashem, the Beis Hamikdash. As we see, King David actually wanted to build, David HaMelech wanted to build the Beis Hamikdash. It's Shlomo who after, the, as the verse describes, and the Ramam quotes this verse, after he was settled, and after Hashem had, you know, subdued all the enemies of the Jews from around, meaning that he had now done away with all the enemies, and everything was fine and dandy, now he turns to the prophet and he says, now it's time for me to build the base of Mikdash. So you see that this is part of the process of these three mitzvot, how they come together. And this clarifies how, why the Rambam introduces it in such a manner by saying three mitzvot. Because although there are three separate mitzvot, but these three mitzvot come together as a whole. And now we can understand, and it makes sense, why the Rambam, why Maimonides goes into detail in describing all the various tabernacles and, and uh, temples that stood in Eretz Yisrael all throughout history, even giving us a number of years, giving us an exact amount of time that they stood up until the point when the final one was established, the, ever, the, the, the everlasting one, meaning the one in, in Yerushalayim. You see, because since the Rambam wants to establish that the Makar, the source, the root of this mitzvah is in our parsha where it says, Migdash, they shall make for me an edifice. In other words, what the Ramam is telling us is what King Shlomo Amalek, when King Solomon built in Beis Hamikdash in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, when he built the Beis Hamikdash, he didn't start implementing this mitzvah. He didn't start a new mitzvah. This mitzvah began actually by Moshe. This mitzvah began 
by the very first time that it was commanded. And throughout, it was carried through throughout without interruption. No matter where they are, where they were, no matter where they were, no matter in what form it stood, it was all a continuation from the very first from the very first Mikdash, from the very first temple, albeit a mobile one, a tabernacle. And this continued all the way and through the ultimate temple, which is the temple, the Beis HaMikdash HaRishon, the first Beis HaMikdash which Shlomo HaMelech built. And now it makes sense and it's important for us to understand how it all came together. Why did it have to begin with Moshe? In other words, why couldn't he just begin, let's say, with the temple that stood temporarily in the uh, Gilgal when they entered Israel, before they divided Israel, before they conquered? Because it had to have all three components. Remember, in order for the Beis Amikdash to be whole, to be complete, it's not enough that it just has its actual building, its structure standing, you know, um, complying with all the details of the rules of what a base Mikdash or what a tabernacle should look like. But in fact, it has to be a complete three-pronged mitzvah. Remember, those three mitzvot have to come together. The appointment of the king, the eradication of the children of Amalek, the descendants of Amalek, and the building of the Mikdash, and in that particular order. If we take a close look at Moshe's career, that's exactly what happened. We know that Moshe had also the status of a king. Moshe was a, a, a leader in terms of being the spiritual leader, but he also had the status of a king. And then Moshe defeated, under his rule, they defeated the nation of Amalek. And only after that came the, the, the uh, mitzvah, the directive of building a mishkan. And that's when he built a mishkan. And now it makes sense why he goes into all these details. Because he's giving us the process, the involvement, and he's showing us how every time there was another phase, another step towards the ultimate base Samikdash, but another step in an, and another, fa- another um, manifestation, that is, of either the original Mishkan, right, as it stood the first 14 years in Israel, or later as it was just the curtains of it, or later as it became almost a full-fledged temple, all that was a continuation of what Moshe started. And interesting, when did they build? Think of it for a second. When did they build a building, something more established, something more set? Once they became more settled, there was already a greater menucha, so to speak, a greater resting in the land of Israel. The Torah says, when you're going to come to the place that Hashem rests His name, that's when they built already something more established, albeit without a ceiling, without a roof but it was already more established. And, but since it wasn't the ultimate resting place, quote-unquote, it wasn't the ultimate settled place, therefore, it wasn't a full-fledged and absolute temple, or it even when it was a temple, it was smaller in size, smaller in status, smaller in stature, not like the ultimate one in the base Amikdash, which stood on the Temple Mount in Yerushalayim, which is a permanent place, and from there it won't go anywhere. And also we can understand that, in other words, until there was a constant and absolute kingship, because all the uh, status of kings that there were up to them were short-lived. Moshe was a king, but it wasn't a full-fledged status. And also we can understand something very interesting. Who put, who erected that first semi-permanent um, temple? 
that semi-permanent temple, who made it? Yehoshua. Yehoshua also had a status of a king. You see how the, 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 the aspect of kingship plays a role here. In fact, in some sense, Yeshua had a greater status as king, or at least the fulfillment of the mitzvah, of appointment of king, even more than his master, even more than Moshe. How is that? Because remember, Moshe wasn't appointed by the high court. Moshe was not appointed by a prophet. Moshe was appointed by Hashem himself. But the mitzvah of appointment of the king has to come about by the Sanhedrin, by the high Jewish court, and through the prophets, as it was, for example, in the time of King Shoal, King, da- King uh, David HaMelech, where the prophet Shmuel appointed them, anointed them, and there was also the high court, the Sanhedrin, who played a role in their appointment. And this is why, why the Rambam, when it comes in the laws of kings, why he brings the verse, that you should seek out his dwelling place and you should come there. Why? Because since it wasn't the ultimate dwelling place, it wasn't the ultimate manifestation of the original mitzvah of the Osuli Mikdash Rishachanti B'Seichon that is mentioned in our parsha. Or that they should make a, 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 a mikdash, a, a, a temple, a, 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 a holy sanctuary, and I would dwell amongst in it, that wasn't fully manifested itself. It was only a place of menucha, a temporary menucha, a temporary lishichno sidrushu vasashama, that you should come there, and I will, the place that I seek to dwell, and, I, and you should come there and build a dwelling place for me. In other words, it was a temporary thing. And therefore, the Rambam quotes that in the laws of kings because that wasn't the ultimate one. The ultimate one is the one as he describes in the laws of building the Beis Hamikdash, which the Rambam maintains is the source and is the primary root of this mitzvah of building the Beis Hamikdash. What is the so the the meaning of all these on a deeper level, meaning in our lives, how do we apply all these three mitzvot in our lives? How does it play a role in our service of Hashem? So the first thing says the Rebbe, of course, in the order of things, is the appointment of a king. What is the idea of a king? The Tzemach Tzedek in the Rech brings that the ultimate purpose of a king is the deepest fear of Hashem. And through the king and because of the king, the rest of the people, all of the, the his his constituents, all the people who depend on him, that is the type the, the entire people of Israel, the entire nation of Israel, through him, they get that sense of fear of Hashem, a true sense of a fear of Hashem. So in short, what is this idea of appointing on oneself a, a king, bringing on on oneself the elementary and basic and absolute necessary fear of Hashem? what we call Kabbalat Ol, to fear Hashem, to have fear as Hashem, then you take it to the next level. You see, because having fear of Hashem is very good. It's a very, it's a fantastic thing. But in Hasidic terms, that is, um, that is, that is um, considered to be only on the level of Iskafia. Iskafia means literally bending or suppressing, suppressing one's bad inclinations, Supper, suppressing one's bad evil instincts, but it's only suppression. You don't allow it to manifest. You don't allow it to, to, you know, you don't allow it to act out, but it's still there. Then comes the next step. What is the next step? The eradication of Amalek. What does it mean, the eradication of Amalek? 
the eradication of the bad that is in, is 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 within oneself the absolute absolute transformation of the bad making it no longer bad and now it becomes good which is considered is total transformation and only after that comes the next level which is the building the ultimate thing which is the building of the Beis Hamikdash, the building of the Holy Temple, which is what? What is the idea of the building of the Temple? That is the idea of having the ultimate, what's called Yira Ilah, the highest level of fear, which is really the ultimate level of awe and respect and appreciation of godliness and a level which is beyond what is you know considered to be a regular standard Yira, a regular standard fear of Hashem. This is something which comes after one has achieved and attained a very high level. In practical terms, today that we don't have the Beis HaMikdash, and we don't see godliness in the, in the way that they did when they entered the Beis HaMikdash, and therefore we cannot that way achieve and have this impressive level of Yira, of fear of Hashem, how do we have it? So the Talmud says that the, the Beis HaMikdash, once it was destroyed, that Hashem has only the four, so to speak, so to speak, the four cubit measures, the four cubit feet of halacha, meaning the little tiny space of halacha. When one engages in Torah study, one is able to achieve that same level of fear of Hashem, of awe of Hashem, that one perhaps could have achieved by being in the Beis Hamikdash. That the idea of it is because that type of yira, that level of fear of Hashem, of awe of Hashem comes about through Chachma, through the aspect, attribute of Chachma, which is, of course, consistent with the idea of Torah. The Torah is the Chachma of Hashem. And this, by the way, also explains why the process of the building of the Beis HaMikdash had to come about through Moshe. Because we know that Moshe is the ultimate aspect of Chachma. And he is the one who gives us das das means knowledge which means he get, makes it makes it able for us and possible for us to connect to actually connect to this idea thus being able to have this year however says the Rebbe, the ultimate ultimate building of the base amigdash will come about when when there will be the king mashiach which is number one the ultimate king and as the Ramam describes, there will be a king from the house of David who will be like his father David, who will be diligently studying Torah. Thus, you see the idea of studying Torah. And he will quote, Yilchom milchemes Hashem. He will fight. He will engage in the wars of Hashem. So see again, you see the idea of eradicating the bad. And then it says, he will build the Beis HaMikdash in its place, which is the ultimate completion of these three mitzvot, which will come to its ultimate state, its ultimate form with the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu.